Welcome to the First Player Token Podcast, a short podcast for folks who enjoy playing board games with family and friends. I'm your host, Derek Bruff. In this episode, we try to avoid a pandemic like it's the 14th century by escaping the city on an apple cart in Bristol 1350. Publishing a game about escaping a pandemic during a pandemic is something of a bold move, but it's exactly what board game publisher Facade Games did in 2021. Their game, Bristol 1350, is a lively game for up to nine players about escaping the Black Death in Bristol, England in the 14th century. I know some folks weren't comfortable playing pandemic-themed games, like Matt Leacock's modern classic Pandemic, during the COVID-19 pandemic. Heck, Emily didn't want to play that one because of its theme even before COVID. But I know other people appreciated a game that let them explore, in a safe way, some of the challenges and fears they were facing in the real world. In this episode, I'm going to review Bristol 1350 and recommend it, at least for those of you who are okay with the theme. This episode also features a very special guest, Travis Hancock, who designed and published Bristol 1350 with his wife, Holly Hancock. Travis and Holly are the two-person team behind Facade Games and all of its games. Travis has some fun behind-the-scenes stories to share, as well as a pretty substantial tease about their next game, coming to Kickstarter next year. First, however, a little more information on Facade Games and Bristol 1350. Facade Games is one of my favorite board game publishers. They have four games in what they call their Dark Cities line, each one named after a city and a year, and each one coming in a box disguised as an old book. I have all four games, and they look fantastic stored on the shelf like a stack of books from that library in Beauty and the Beast. Their first game was Salem 1692, set during the Salem Witch Trials. In the game, which handles up to 12 players, some players are witches, but you don't know which ones. Their second game was Tortuga 1667, with up to nine players taking on the role of privateers raiding Spanish ships. Some of you are secretly working for the French, some for the English, but you don't know who. See a common thread yet? If you've played social deduction games like Mafia or Werewolf, where some players are secretly up to no good, and it's the job of the rest of the players to figure out who the bad guys are, then you'll have a sense of how facade games work. You start the game knowing what team you're on, be that villager or witch or French or English, and you have to figure out as you play who else is on your team. What I love about the Dark Cities games is that it doesn't matter how good you are at lying, which is good because I'm terrible at it. In these games, you hide or reveal your loyalties through the actions you take in the game. For instance, in Tortuga, each pirate ship has a hold for treasure divided into French and English sections. If you use a card to move treasure from the French section to the English section, you might be working for the English. Or you might not, maybe it's a bluff. There's a healthy amount of logical deduction to go along with the social deduction in a Dark Cities game. In Bristol 1350, the fourth game in the Dark Cities line, up to nine players are racing in apple carts to escape the plague-filled town of Bristol, England, before the city walls are locked up for quarantine. The game board is actually a fabric map that you take out of the box, which, remember, looks like an old book, and unroll on the table. There are three metal apple cart tokens, and nine wooden player tokens which fit inside the apple carts to show which players have currently cast their lot together. 
and there are a handful of dice, each with a mix of apple and rat icons, instead of the traditional pips. All the components are beautiful, giving the game a ton of table presence. Seriously, look at my photos in the show notes. At the start of the game, each player gets two secret symptom cards, each with a value between 1 and 3. If your two symptom cards ever add up to six or more, you have the plague. Bad news for you. Initially, no one has the plague. If you draw two threes at the start of the game, you put them back and draw again. But at the start of each round, those dice are rolled. If at the end of the round, two or more rats are showing on the dice in the color of your apple cart, then you and everyone else in your apple cart have to mingle. That is, mix up your symptom cards along with a random symptom card from the deck to get two potentially different symptom cards. If your new cards add up to six or more, well, yeah, that's bad news. Oh, and the symptom cards in the deck that you randomly add, some of those have a value of four. You do not want to share germs with your cartmates during a pandemic. During the round, players take turns playing cards to try to avoid those dreaded mingles while also advancing their apple cards. The apples on the dice represent forward movement for the corresponding apple cart. The first plague-free apple cart that exits the city wins the game, so you want to play your cards to modify those dice. You want more apples of your cart color to move your cart ahead, and you want fewer rats of your cart color to avoid a mingle. The cards you play can also help you jockey for position within and across the apple carts, maybe jumping ahead from your cart to the one in the lead, or tossing another player out of your cart if you think they have the plague. Initially, as I said, everyone is plague-free, but as those rats are rolled and the mingles happen, the odds increase that one or more players has the Black Death. Figuring out who has the plague by their actions can give you an edge in finding your way to a plague-free apple cart. But you also have to play the race game because it doesn't help if your apple cart is in the back of the pack. Bristol 1350 is a game that's easy to teach and full of twists and turns. Watching another apple cart cross the finish line only to find out that one of their number has the plague can be quite satisfying, especially if you're in the second place apple cart. This game has been a hit every time I've brought it to the table. Now, let's go to my interview with Travis Hancock, designer and publisher of Bristol 1350, for a little backstory on the game and a preview of the next game in the Dark Cities line. Thank you, Travis, for being on the First Player Token podcast. I'm excited to chat with you today. Yeah, my pleasure. I read your secret origin on your website, but can you share your, your story for our listeners? How, how did you, uh, what happened that led you to that first Kickstarter with your first game, Salem? Yeah, um, so I, I, I played lots of games growing up, but mostly um, social deduction games, uh, like lying, backstabbing type of stuff. So Mafia and Werewolves are some of the most well-known. But there, there are always a few things that, that bug me about those games, and so kind of just as a hobby, I worked on my own game, um, and eventually that game became Salem. We, we added the Salem Witch Trials theme to it, just, just kind of fun, and um, after I graduated college, I was working my first job, doing digital marketing, and my wife was a teacher, and um, we, we didn't know too much about Kickstarter, but we we kind of polished the game up, made it look good, and then we pushed pushed the go button on Kickstarter, and it did a lot better than we expected. <laughs> right, <laughs> like a hundred thousand dollars. That's right. Yeah. So that that kind of opened our eyes. Like, huh? Like maybe we could do this again and make make a career out of it. We'll see. So we worked hard on the the second one, which was called Tortuga, and that 
that did even better and then from then on we we quit our jobs and kept making games it's been fun wow wow <laughs> well let me ask a couple of questions about that story because it's, it's it's pretty impressive i gather there was many years between the idea for salem and that kickstarter what kept you going? I have to imagine there were times where you thought, you know, this isn't this isn't going to pan out. I need to let this go and work on other things in my life. But um, what kept you going through that process? Huh. Um, I mean, for one, I really liked it. I really liked playing the game that I was making. So, so that was fun. It was easy to keep working on it because I, li- I like doing it. Um, and I don't know. I, I, I've kind of always been entrepreneurial minded. And so around that time, you know, I was working my job. But I was also kind of throwing different stuff at the wall. Like we were we were making a, a YouTube channel. I was working on like uh, this like kind of techie website. We had a button making machine company. <laughs> we, we were doing all kinds of stuff. So the game thing was just one of many, and I was just kind of just seeing what would stick. And so so kind of that that motivation to be my own boss kind of kept me going too. It's like okay, maybe this maybe this could work. So kind of the combo of like, you know, I really liked playing it and then that motivation to get something to stick so we could do something besides our our normal jobs. What about that decision? Because I I feel like that's a big life choice to go full-time into game design. Um, What was it like to make that decision? I'm kind of, I'm very optimistic. I just kind of feel like everything's going to work out. So it wasn't too hard for me. My wife's a different story. She's very risk averse and she's like, I don't know. So she actually, I left my job like a year before she did. Um, so to kind of ease into that and and Kickstarter made it nice. Cause you know, all of a sudden we had a hundred thousand dollars in the bank that we could use to kind of, you know, keep going and, and uh, build it from there. So wasn't, wasn't too terrible. Yeah, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's talk about Bristol 1350, your latest in the Dark Cities series of games. Okay. Um, At this point, after your three other games, uh, I think your fans have come to expect certain things, right? Uh This is a game that can support a lot of players, seven, eight, nine players sometimes. Uh, Some games with some, what you called social deduction, right? Some tension around who is on whose side. A strong theme, um, kind of a sense of place and connecting the story to the mechanics. Mm -hmm. And then games with beautiful art and components. I mean, your your graphic design is excellent. The the illustrator you work with, is it Sarah Peel? Sarah Keel. Sarah Keel, okay. Yep. Yeah, (laughs) she's amazing. Yeah. So you're heading into your fourth game. How do, how do you go about designing a game that does those things that you've come to be known for? Hmm. I don't know. It's, I mean, it's nice that we kind of have a starting place because of the, uh, the parameters that you mentioned. Like, you know, they all have to go up to nine players. They all have to fit inside this, this book box. They all have to have that social deduction element. So, so we have a lot of places to start from. It's like, okay, I know I can't use more than... 87 cards I know that I because <laughs> I won't board, the book <laughs> exactly it's like I know I can only have a board that's this big so we kind of we kind of start from there um, and then it's just a lot of testing um, Bristol was a fairly good child <laughs> I kind of refer to my games as my kids um, in that it it found itself pretty quick like it, it didn't give me too much trouble so, for example, our, our third game, Deadwood, it we, we just couldn't quite nail that one down, what that was 
gonna be like and it, it had a, a lot of different versions that that just like weren't quite clicking but Deadwood or sorry with Bristol um, you know pretty quickly we, we we decided we wanted to be sort of a race of some kind um, it, it was actually themed as a Roman chariot game for a while okay um, and you <laughs> okay. were it was close it was almost working but we're like you know what this this theme's not quite doing it and so we switched over to the, the plague because we we knew that at some point we were going to do the black plague we just didn't know it was going to be right right now right then so anyways, we, we put that on and then another key moment was we're like you know what people need to be on these on these carts racing because before it was kind of like you're you're an observer watching these carts race and you're like you know getting one to go faster or not we're like no people need to feel more invested so we got people sitting in the carts and then you know out of the plague thing it's like okay like we're trying to escape city um before we get the plague type of thing and it all just came together so then you launch a, a kickstarter for this plague thing game in 2020 <laughs> yep <laughs> That had to have been a little awkward. <laughs> it, w- it was, yes. Yeah. So, so we were about ready to push the go button. I think it was March 2020. Like, you know, and we'd been leading up to that for a couple of years. Like, you know, we had the, the plague theme in place and all the art was done. And we're like, and then and then COVID happens, of course. And, and yeah, we we're definitely like, oh man, like we, we got to pause and think about this. So we did, we, we asked and anyone we could, like, you know, other publishers and our distributor and just our some of our fans. It's like, do you guys feel like this is a horrible idea? Like, is this very insensitive? Is this, like, what do you think? And everyone said, like, no, like, I think this is fine. It's, it's clear that you've been working on this. Um, it's, like, yeah, there's, there's some, there's COVID, COVID going on right now, but it's, we think it's okay. So, we went ahead and did it, and we we tried to be really sensitive. Like you know, in our on our page, we kind of mentioned like you know, obviously our thoughts are with what's going on right now in the world. We we donated some of our proceeds to um, um, an organization that helped against COVID, and it worked out. We we had there was no backlash, and I think a lot of people saw it as like you know, like we're going through something right now. People back in you know way back when they were they were going through something, and it's it's. Kind of interesting to look look at how history happens. I don't know. Well, I'm sure you hear from a lot of folks who play your games and have fun enjoying your games. Can you share a story or two that you've heard from from fans about their experiences playing your games? <laughs> oh, I mean, we we try to we try to make games that that create real emotion in in your game night. So I, just that we get a lot of people saying like like that they jokingly that they're we broke up their family or we broke up their okay. friend group. Right. I mean, they're always joking, but just that like, you know, there's that sense of betrayal. It's like, I trusted you this whole game and then you just backstabbed me and <laughs> beat me. So I think it just gets people really excited. And so we do get a lot of stuff, stuff like that, just saying how, how into it people get. And that's, that's kind of one of our parameters too, is when, when we're testing games, I'm looking for, for screams. Like, I'm, I'm usually just sitting back watching people play, and if, if they just played and it's, they're just like, okay, that was fine, like, if the game worked, whatever, that's, that's, not, that's not enough. We're looking for people to, like, stand up and be like, no, like, <laughs> you're the witch! <laughs> um, that's when we know we're getting, getting somewhere. 
Yes, yes. Well, a lot of the games we um, review on First Player Token are family-friendly games, and I think some of your games are kind of more or less family-friendly depending on the family in question and, and the game. I think Tortuga, honestly, I think Tortuga is my favorite, but it, it is also, I think, the most complicated of the of the four games. Uh-huh. Um, but you have kids, right? Are there are there yes. games that you play with your own kids? Yeah, our oldest is five, so we're we're getting there. Um, she actually likes to play Bristol, <laughs> but we mostly just roll the dice and move the carts accordingly. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, but but she's pretty fun. Um, you know, we we're breaking out Candyland, of course, is is the classic. Um, spotted memory games. So so pretty pretty easy stuff right now, but we're we're getting really excited to start entering them to to more as they get older. I guess one last question. Uh, I saw on your website a very brief teaser for your next game in the Dark City <laughs> series coming That's out. That's right. January yep. 2023. Can you tease anything about that game at all at this point? <laughs> yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're just starting to, to tease it out there and it's getting close enough that I'll just, I'll just go ahead and tell you. <laughs> but it's, um, it's Hollywood 1947. Wow. Is the game. Yeah, so it's... You know the golden age of Hollywood and the kind of the Red Scare going on around okay. there. Okay. Yes. So c- Congress was was thinking that communists had kind of infiltrated the industry, and they were you know blacklisting people and all kinds of stuff. It's really interesting time. So yeah. so yeah, you're you're working together. Everyone's in the the same movie studio. You're working together to make movies, but of course some of you are secret communists trying to slip it in propaganda and your all kinds of mistrust and, and stuff. So. We're, we're really excited with how it turned out and looks cool, so should be fun. That's awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, yeah. a little more recent setting than yeah, some of uh-huh. your others. Yeah, yeah. I think people will be surprised by that. I think just because their other ones have been older, but yeah, but uh, yeah, it's it's still vibes with the other ones. We think and we're we're excited about it. That's awesome. So the Kickstarter launches in January. Is that the plan right now? Yes. Uh huh. Yeah. Awesome. Hollywood 1947. Well, I'm very excited about that. And thanks for sharing. Well, thank you, Travis. This has been great. Appreciate you taking the time and sharing a little behind the scenes with your design process and your stories. Um, Really appreciate having you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was fun. You heard it here first, folks. Well, I don't know if you heard it here first, but I did. Hollywood 1947 is the next game from Facade Games, coming to Kickstarter in January 2023. I'm definitely ready for another Dark Cities game full of secret allegiances and false accusations. Sounds like a fun night to spend with friends. For now, however, we have four games in the Dark Cities line. As I mentioned to Travis, Tortuga is probably my favorite of the series, but Bristol is the most accessible of the series, which is why I wanted to recommend it here on the podcast. If you like Bristol, however, you have several more great games to explore from Travis and Holly. That's it for this episode of the First Player Token Podcast. See the show notes for links to past episodes and for photos of Bristol 1350. It's a very handsome game. And hey, could you rate and review this podcast wherever you listen to it? That would mean a lot, and it would help others find our podcast. I've been your host, Derek Bruff. Thanks for listening. Now it's time to play some games. <laughs>